Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. I'm Anon. Today we're going to talk about boundaries. Everything I'm talking about today is from Dr. Adam Moore's article entitled Defining and Enforcing Boundaries in Sexual Addiction Recovery. So I didn't know anything about boundaries before starting recovery. In fact, every time my husband abused me or every time he had a slip up, I thought that my boundary was giving him a lecture, literally, like a 40-minute lecture about how terrible things were and how I was feeling and what he should do. I thought that's what boundaries were. I have learned since then that that is not what boundaries are at all. In fact, God was very merciful to me and he taught me about boundaries in an extremely traumatic way by having my husband arrested and having a court order, do not contact order. That was my first boundary I have ever had. And it was God-given. And then I had to make the decision about what to do with that boundary, to keep it, to not keep it, what that boundary meant. A lot of people think that boundaries are, if you do this, then I will do this. And that is a form of boundaries. For me, I realize that my boundary is I need to keep safe and be safe while you continue to act out in this behavior. In my husband's case, once he was arrested, he did not show any clear signs of recovery behaviors. There were a lot of things that he could have done. He could have texted every single day, for example, and said, what can I do today for the kids? He did not choose to talk with my dad, apologize to my dad about some things. There were were several things he could do that he was legally able to do. He did not show any signs of that. He did not put forth a plan of, I realize that this is what happened. I'm very sorry. This is my plan for recovery. This is what I'm going to do to come back in the house. He never asked to come back in the house. So for me, there was no way that I could remove or amend the do not contact order to be able to talk with him because he was not showing any recovery behaviors. So what are boundaries? Boundaries are like fences between neighbors. They define the limits of a relationship. They provide safety and structure and define appropriate and inappropriate engagement in the relationship. They delineate responses to inappropriate or unhealthy engagement or interactions. In sexual addiction recovery, boundaries are crucial. Addicts in recovery need to set boundaries around their media usage, who they talk to, how they spend their time, how they manage difficult emotions, um, Are they turning toward connecting rather than isolating? For example, my husband, when he got really bad, one night he wanted to go look at a car that we couldn't afford to buy. And as we were fighting about it, he went downstairs and said, how am I going to not look at porn? And he was just choosing another isolating behavior above a different isolating behavior. The only thing that could have kept him from acting out in his addiction is connecting. So planning a date with me, planning a date with the kids, doing something to connect rather than something to isolate. Some wives of addicts struggle with confusion about how they set and enforce their own boundaries. The struggle is how to determine the difference between healthy boundaries and the many other unhealthy ways people may respond to their spouse's addiction and their spouse's addictive behaviors. So first let's define what boundaries are and are not. Boundaries are used to define the limits of the relationships. Boundaries are healthy responses to violations of self. Boundaries are in place as trust is rebuilt in relationships. And boundaries are protection against repeated harm. Boundaries are not punishments. They are not methods of coercing or forcing behaviors. They are not a way to avoid dealing with pain. And boundaries are not used to emotionally disconnect or isolate. 
Boundaries are often the remedy for unhealthy ways of responding to an addict. So when I was not practicing boundaries, my fear, my character defects of fear or control would crop up. And rather than set a boundary for myself that I would turn to my sponsor, that I would do recovery behaviors, that I would surrender to God's will and do self-care, I would turn toward my husband and try and make him be safe. There were so many times where I literally got down on my hands and knees and begged him to love me, and he said, looked at me and said, no, I won't. Or I begged him to be kind, and he said, no, I'm not going to be kind to you. And uh, that only put me in a further state of stress, and he was abusing me, and I was, instead of detaching from my abuser and setting a boundary and getting myself to a safe place, I just continued to be abused by trying to force my abuser to be kind. Because boundaries are the opposite of becoming responsible for his behaviors or recovery, it is wise to self-assess occasionally and determine whether or not you're crossing the line into becoming responsible. Some warning signs that you may be crossing the line to becoming responsible for your husband's behavior are providing constant reminders of the recovery behaviors he is supposed to be doing. I did that all the time, constantly. And I didn't realize that I was taking the responsibility for his behaviors, his anger, his abuse. I thought I was just, quote-unquote, helping him. Experiencing consistent, intense emotional reactions to his lack of recovery behavior. Absolutely. When he would get into his rage, or he would be irritable, and I knew that was a lack of recovery behavior. I didn't have words for it back then, but I knew, oh no, something bad is coming. I would get so much fear and so much, you know, I was worried that my family would be destroyed. I was worried that something super bad was going to happen, and so I would go into control mode. Punishing or shaming him into doing the things he has committed to do. Basing your own commitment to recovery on whether or not he is doing his own recovery work. Numbing out or disconnecting from your own emotions based on his behaviors or controlling or manipulating. Now, I did not know that I was doing that at the time. I, was, I just thought I was trying to serve my husband and help him and express my needs. And there's nothing wrong with helping someone or expressing your needs or, you know, stating to your husband what your needs are. My problem was that he was not safe in those moments and so I would be further abused. So good boundaries will help you avoid these types of responses. If you are the spouse of an addict, which we are, you'll need to set up two types of boundaries for your own emotional well-being and safety and security, personal boundaries and relational boundaries. So Dr. Moore says that personal boundaries are about how you respond to yourself. Your own triggers in recovery and emotional responses may sometimes lead you to unhealthy coping. This might include emotionally disconnecting, Punishing, controlling, or micromanaging others' behaviors. Personal boundaries will allow you to make healthy choices in the face of powerful emotional triggers. I wish I knew that then. I wish I would have been in recovery, but I wasn't, and I uh, am genuinely sorry. And I am looking forward to steps eight and nine so that I can make amends for those things. Um, I'm genuinely embarrassed, actually, that I participated in those behaviors. When I honestly and authentically thought that I was helping my husband. Examples of personal boundary statements are, I can choose my responses to his slips or relapses. I do not have to allow my trauma to control how I respond. Instead of punishing or hurting him, I will take care of myself in a healthy way. When he has earned my trust, I will share with him my feelings and needs. This was my main problem 
is that I did not trust my husband, especially when he was in addict mode, when he was angry or irritable. And so I tried to make him trustworthy, which is taking responsibility for his actions. Or I tried to make him be compassionate or kind. And that never worked. Instead, I needed to detach, set a boundary, take care of myself in a healthy way, and then see if he worked toward earning my trust again. When I finally did that and let go and observed from a distance to see if he would earn my trust again, he did not attempt to do that. From what I could tell, there was absolutely no attempts to earn back my trust. Another one is I can decide when and how I begin to trust him again. I will work on my own recovery regardless of his commitment to his recovery. Instead of zoning out and emotionally disconnecting when I'm in pain, I will reach out and share with others in my life who are safe. I think that's essential. I would always reach out to my husband. I rarely zoned out or emotionally disconnected, but my husband wasn't safe. And so I reached out and tried to connect with someone who was emotionally unsafe. And that always put me in a very precarious position. I will choose not to be responsible for his choices. And here's one last example of a personal boundary statement. I can choose to love and accept myself even when his addiction affects the way I perceive myself. I've been thinking a lot about one night when my husband was extremely calm and he came to me and he said, I know you've asked me our whole marriage to tell you that you're beautiful. And the reason I have not said that is because I don't think that you're beautiful. So I should have detached right then and been like, okay, he is very unsafe. But instead, I decided to engage with him and fight him and say, that's not true. You do think I'm beautiful. And then he said this, and this is the part that hurt me so deeply. He said, well, physically, you're beautiful. But your personality and who you are, they make you ugly. Your face, when you are scared or when you're frightened, and your personality and the way you interact with me and who you are from the inside is completely, I can't ever tell you that you're beautiful. And I was absolutely devastated. I think that was the beginning of things getting really bad for us. And he never repaired that. There was never a time. In fact, we went to the temple and we did ceilings. Uh, uh, I don't know how long after that. And we went to the celestial room and we were holding hands and I just could not do it. Because here was a man who could not tell me that I was beautiful, who did not think that my soul was beautiful. Even if he didn't like my hair or he thought I was a little overweight, he could not bring himself to tell me that I was beautiful. To him, that was just totally lying. And I thought, I can't be with someone like this. I remember standing up in the slush room and walking off in pain and hurt and being completely and totally hung out to dry by my husband who just seemed fine and had never tried to repair that. That was before I had boundaries. Now I know that I would have set a boundary and said, okay, when I feel safe and when you can see me and when your perceptions of me are not abusive, Because those perceptions in and of themselves, that's what made him abusive, is the way he perceived me. He perceived me a certain way, that I was trying to hurt him or that my questions were shamey or whatever. And really, that was what propagated the abuse. I needed to set a boundary until he was not abusive anymore, which takes a long time. And that has never happened. So I'm still setting those boundaries now. That's a good segue into relational boundaries. They're most often set with the addict, but they could also be set with parents, family, or friends. Your relational boundaries define how much physical and emotional space you need between you and others. These boundaries define how you will respond when others act or refuse to act. They keep you safe when others are not ready to keep you safe. 
for me, my husband was not able to keep me safe and he was not able to protect me emotionally. In fact, it was the opposite. He was hurting me and he was not protecting me and he destroyed our family. He was not protecting our family. So some examples of relational boundary statements that you might share with your spouse in recovery are, even if you decide not to stay engaged in recovery, I will continue to do my own work. Or, if you act out in your addiction and hide it from me, I will ask you not to sleep in my bed until I feel safe with you again. I feel much safer and more able to trust you if you're attending a 12-step SAL meeting. If you choose not to go, I will be limited in my ability to emotionally connect with you. If you try and blame me for your choices in addiction and abuse, I will let you know that our next therapy session together, we will discuss my concerns with our therapist. I will not argue with you or defend myself. That one for me was really important. I wasn't going to talk with a therapist, but for me, I would say it like this. If you try to blame me for your choices in your abuse and addiction and divorce, I will not communicate with you in any way, shape, or form. I will not have any contact with you. Another one is, I will not engage sexually with you when I feel like it's lust-based rather than connection-based. I did set that boundary, and I realized that I had never really felt emotionally connected like there had never been a time in our marriage where I had initiated sex because I felt emotionally connected I was doing it just to keep you know just because I thought he would want to not because I felt this deep emotional connection and my husband rarely rarely initiated and when he did it was because he was horny not because he felt emotionally connected with me here's the last example if you cannot work toward understanding how your addiction and abuse has hurt me, and if you continue to excuse your ha- behavior and blame it on me, I will move toward separation from you. In this state of mind, your addict self is not safe enough for me to be with. And that's where I've been the last 10 months. My husband has not been safe enough for me to be with or even communicate with. So implementing and enforcing boundaries is really important, and that's the hardest part. It's easy to think about what boundaries you're going to have. It's easy to tell someone what your boundaries are going to be, but it's very difficult to actually enforce them. So you may not verbally share every single boundary you set with others. Some may be just for you. However, if they involve responding to the addict, it's important that he is aware of them. Here are some simple steps to implement and enforce your boundaries. So decide on what your boundaries are and write them down. Like I said, I did not have any boundaries before my husband's arrest. I was working toward figuring out what those were. And then God stepped in and said, boom, this is going to be your boundary. And I'm so grateful that he provided a safe means for my escape from my abuser. Share your boundaries. So for those of you listening who are not in my situation and from me from here on out, it's important to share your boundaries with your partner in order to maintain my own safety while you are working on your recovery. I will do this when these behaviors are present. When there's no emotional connection, I will not be having sex with you. If you implement sex based on lust rather than an emotional connection that we both feel, we will not be having sex. If necessary, remind him of your boundaries to provide clarity. So addicts hate boundaries and then they set boundaries usually in order to disconnect or isolate. I sponsor a woman whose husband, when he is in addict mode, he says, my boundary is I'm leaving and I'm not coming back until tomorrow. That's abandoning your spouse. That is not a boundary, and that is emotionally disconnecting. It enables him to practice his addiction. That could be another one. Like, when you emotionally disconnect from me in any way, shape, or form, then this could happen. Enforcing the boundaries are the hardest part, and I'm just going to read what Dr. Moore has said because I was lucky enough to have the police enforce my boundary 
that I didn't even know I had for me or the boundary that God created for me. So here is what Adam Moore says. Number one, slow down, breathe, and quietly decide how you will respond. Number two, remind him of your boundary and that your response is about your own emotional and relational safety, that you need to feel safe. Now, at that point, the the addict is likely to say, well, I don't feel safe with you. You are not safe either. That is gaslighting, and you still need to set your boundary and keep it. Number three, follow through with your boundary. And number four, help him understand that your boundary is in place until you feel safe again and not for a set period of time. The best way I have heard boundaries described is this. My boundaries are how I protect myself when you choose not to protect me. When I read that, I get, it, it just really hits home because my husband was not choosing to protect me or our family, and it has been destroyed. He filed for divorce on Monday. Of course, that's not protecting our family either. It's continuing down the path of destroying our family, and I'm very sad, very, very sad. But that doesn't mean that I will change my boundaries in order to be in contact with someone who is so unsafe that they would destroy that they would destroy my family. So boundaries right now are essential for me. Defining and enforcing boundaries is often one of the more challenging aspects of wives' recovery process. However, becoming adept at boundary work is often the defining process for wives. I work with a few women in recovery. I'm a sponsor to three of them, and they're learning how to set boundaries, and it's very difficult. I've had a lot of women in group tell me that when they learned how to set boundaries and they actually set them and kept them until they felt safe, miracles began to happen. Either that is light and light repels darkness. So either their husbands left or divorced them or really terrible things happened, which is what happened to me. And it has been heart-wrenching and basically felt like the gates of hell were gaping after me. It was very difficult to, and it still is, to maintain that. My heart is so broken and I am completely and totally devastated by that and I've heard of other miracles where that boundary is set and the husband makes amazing choices for themselves and that is the beginning of their real true recovery where they take responsibility for themselves and their actions so boundaries are imperative to everybody's progress as my boundaries have improved my sense of self has as well my trauma is still very intense but I think it will begin to lose its power over time As I practice recovery behaviors, it doesn't always feel like it's working. In fact, I've had days lately where I'm just walking like down the hall and suddenly it's like someone punches me in the stomach and I start just howling uncontrollably sobbing. I feel so alone and I feel so completely abandoned by my husband and his choices that he chose his addiction and his anger over his family, that he purposefully is destroying our family. I feel so much trauma And I do surrender, I surrender, I keep my boundaries, and I still just am in this trauma place. And I have faith that if I continue to read my scriptures, I continue to pray, I continue to attend the temple, which I'm doing, I continue to reach out, I continue to do connecting behaviors with my sponsor and friends and family, which I'm doing, that eventually I will be healed. I went to yoga this morning and I got a little mantra card from my teacher and it said, Your healing is already in process. And I know eventually I will heal and the trauma won't be so intense. The boundaries that I have set, which have been very difficult to keep, have been the defining part of me healing. So if you want to visit Dr. Moore's site, his name is Dr. Adam Moore, and he talks a lot about boundaries. He's an excellent therapist. 
If you want to know, uh, if you want links to his site, you can find them on my website, betrayaltraumarecovery.org. Also, you can go to my site that links with SA Lifeline to find a meeting near you, either online or in person. I'd like to just shout out to my sponsor right now who works with me on almost a daily basis. She has taught me what to look for, to know what recovery behaviors are so that I would be safe. So go to, uh, go to my site, go to my site, betrayaltraumarecovery.org to find a meeting near you. 